Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here at the podium with the Minister for Health and Social Care. On Zoom, we are joined by the Minister for Education, Sport and Culture, and, of course, our Director of Public Health. We are now a week on from announcing a loosening of some of our COVID restrictions, which allowed gatherings outdoors in groups of no more than 10, socially distanced and wherever possible with face coverings. I know this has made a real difference for many of you after a few tough weeks of lockdown, allowing loved ones and friends to meet up and see each other in person, albeit at a safe distance. And the start of the week also saw a relaxing of the rules around outdoor construction and indoor construction on vacant properties, as well as garden centres being able to open, all with appropriate safeguards in place. Since the announcement last week, we have seen three new cases of COVID-19, but I am happy to report that all three were close contacts of known cases, and most importantly, these new cases were people who were already self-isolating. With only three new cases, the number of active cases of COVID-19 has dropped rapidly, and yesterday we reached the welcome milestone of our active case count dropping below 100. I'll now hand over to the Minister for Health and Social Care for a little bit more on the latest numbers. David. Thank you, Chief Minister. The total number of tests undertaken stands at 48,453. The total number of tests completed is also 48,453, meaning at the time of the snapshot, the lab had processed all tests that had been passed to it. In the last 24 hours, two new cases have been identified. Both are from a known source. They are both close contacts and already in isolation. The total number of cases, therefore, across the whole pandemic period now stands at 1,574. We currently have 75 active cases, with one of those cases being in hospital and no cases in ICU. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you very much, David. Dr Hewitt, would you like to comment on what the numbers mean for us and the outlook, please? Thank you, Chief Minister. Really to say that this in continues the encouraging context that we've seen for the last week or so now. Uh, we're still seeing the occasional high-risk contact becoming a positive case, and that's obviously in the context of their already being in self-isolation. So that's absolutely expected, given what we know about the very high rate of household transmission between household members. So that will carry on until it burns itself out and there are no more household members left to become infected um, and that's what we expect and we can be confident so long as people observe their self-isolation that those chains of transmission are contained, they have a natural end point and they shouldn't lead to reseeding in the community. Um, obviously, it was disappointing to get a community unexplained case um, nine days ago now, um, but that is the only sporadic case we've seen in that time. And obviously, as the days go by and the time between now and that case gets longer, uh, the more assured we can be that that case didn't represent um, a, a reservoir of community transmission and other cases, if you like. And that, of course, is reflected, as I've said before, over the last few press briefings, 
by the continued very low positivity rates. So out of all the tests that we do, um, obviously when we have no, no positives in a day, the positivity rate zero, when we have a tiny number, it has a value, but that value has been consistently less than 1% for some time now. And again, in the context of still really quite wide testing across our different surveillance and symptomatic testing strands, um, that again provides reassuring evidence that there isn't a reservoir of community cases out there that we just haven't seen presenting yet. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr Ewart. Things are certainly moving in the right direction, but we must continue to take this one step at a time. Coming out of our circuit break lockdown in a managed fashion with a gradual return to normality remains our aim. Doing it this way means we can test the water as we go and keep the outbreak under control should there be anything bubbling under the surface. It is important we take the right actions at the right time to avoid us having to pause this process or worse, backtrack. A backward step is the last thing any of us wants. The Council of Ministers met today to discuss what the next steps might be in easing lockdown restrictions. As we covered last week, we have been looking at phased approaches of reopening education settings as well as preschools, nurseries and childminders. At first, this will be for specific groups of children before a wider reopening. I'll hand over now to the Minister for Education, Sport and Culture to talk through what the Council of Ministers has agreed. Alex. Thank you. On Tuesday, the Chief Minister outlined our plans for a phased return to school next week. We intend to pick up from where we were at the start of this outbreak in March. Teachers will be returning to their schools on Monday the 12th of April to get them ready after Easter and UCM will reopen for staff. On Tuesday the 13th, our primary schools will welcome back vulnerable children and those of essential workers. We're asking every parent to only send their child into primary school if they are an essential worker, they have to attend to their place of work and they have no other alternative childcare provision available. Our secondary schools will be contacting selected year 11 and 13 students to welcome them back on Tuesday the 13th of April. These year groups have been prioritised due to the cancellation of summer exams and to allow them to work with teachers to complete the assessments they need to determine their grades by May. Students in these year groups should only attend once they've been contacted by their school. We've been working with our teachers to ensure schools are safe. To deal with any risk, social distancing, hand washing, increased ventilation and face coverings where appropriate will be encouraged. But if you or your child are unwell, please stay at home. And if you have any COVID symptoms, please phone 111 for advice. Our aim is for all children and young people to return to school from Monday the 19th of April. This decision will be made by the Council of Ministers next week and will depend on the latest data and advice from public health. Childminders, nurseries and playgroups are in a similar position and government is working with providers to ensure their reopening is aligned with schools. Parents are reminded of the other childcare options available to them, such as friends and family, as we edge out of the current lockdown, which has been so effective in su suppressing this outbreak. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you very much, Alex. Again, the key here is a managed transition back to normality. 
I very much hope this time next week we will be able to confirm that we are going ahead with plans for all children to return to school on Monday the 19th of April. This morning the Council of Ministers also discussed what other steps we could take to gradually ease lockdown restrictions. Let me take you through what else we agreed. From Monday the 12th of April we will remove restrictions around tradespeople entering occupied properties. This means indoor construction work on houses, for example painting and decorating, the installation of bathrooms and kitchens can all recommence. For now, mitigations must be in place in the form of social distancing and face coverings. Ideally, householders should be out of the house when tradespeople are in their home, or at the very least, they should not be in the same room. Also from Monday, and in line, what I've, in, in line with what I've just mentioned, estate agents and surveyors can also enter people's homes again, again with the mitigations I've just set out. In addition to this, restrictions around viewings for vacant, unoccupied properties will also be removed from Monday. We are not quite ready yet to allow viewings of occupied properties, but we are inching closer. This is about those all-important baby steps. We are ready to loosen some restrictions, but it is important that we walk before we run. We want to step out of your lives completely, and I hope this will happen soon. But for the moment, we need to keep measures in place that prevent the most risk of the virus rapidly spreading through our community. For the moment, we are not ready to allow free mixing between households, apart from the support bubbles that are in place. Non-essential retail is another area we discussed this morning. Again, the view here was that now is not the time to remove restrictions in this area. The Council of Ministers did, however, agree that from this Monday, hardware stores can reopen, with social distancing in place and face coverings strongly recommended. Some retailers may, of course, insist on face coverings, and this is a matter for them. Pet groomers will also be able to accept animals on a drop-off and collection basis from Monday. Turning to outdoor leisure venues, I know that there has been a little confusion over this over the past week. From this Monday, all outdoor leisure venues can reopen, but what must be clear here is that the rules on outdoor gatherings still apply. No more than 10 people can gather together and there must be social distancing in place, preferably with face coverings. Whilst outdoor sports venues can reopen, there should be no sharing of sports equipment between different households, such as golf balls for example. Sports that involve players from other households coming close together or into contact with each other cannot yet restart, for example rugby and football. As part of this loosening of restrictions, children's play areas can all reopen from Monday. I know it is difficult, but please make every effort to keep children from different households separated when in play areas. We still need to be cautious as we exit this lockdown. Please act responsibly and do what is right for you, your family and our community. So what might be our next steps after this? We hope that along with the return of all children to schools on Monday the 19th of April, we may be able to remove most or even all remaining restrictions on what premises can and cannot open. This could mean the reopening of non-essential retail, lifestyle businesses, gyms and hospitality, a return to near normal. 
but we will have to see what happens in the coming week before we can be certain of this. And it's important to be prepared for some restrictions around social distancing to potentially remain in place as well as the recommendations on face coverings. I've said before that we want this lockdown to be our last as we plough on with our vaccination programme and protect our community, particularly our most vulnerable from COVID. On that front, I'm pleased that we have seen yet another week of fantastic progress with our vaccination programme. And I want to extend my sincere thanks to everyone involved, especially those who worked through the Easter weekend. Almost 60% of our adult population have now received at least one vaccine dose and we're over the 90% mark for everyone in the first phase of our vaccination programme. That's those most vulnerable to COVID-19. We're now rapidly approaching 60,000 doses in arms and this includes 45,000 first doses. There has been a great deal of discussion about the AstraZeneca vaccine over the past 24 hours. So I will hand over to the Minister for Health and Social Care, who I know wants to cover this topic. David. Thank you, Chief Minister. Just before moving on to AstraZeneca, two other points to cover as well. Um, I know certainly a lot of people who are shielding are wondering what the advice is going forward for Monday, because the current shielding advice in place runs out next Monday, the 12th of April. So turning first to shielding, the current shielding advice is in place until Monday, but from Monday, due to the current situation on the island, our shielding advice will fall away. So from Monday, there will be no formal advice in place for people to shield. We would urge those currently shielding to speak with their employers about their personal circumstances and if measures need to be put in place to assist with their return to work. But from Monday the 12th, there will not be any more formal shielding advice in place. Also, as the Chief Minister has said, we are now rapidly approaching 60% of our adult population having been vaccinated. This week, we have passed that all-important mark of 50% of our total population having been vaccinated with at least the first dose. So the vaccination programme is very, very encouraging. Turning to AstraZeneca... Most people will have seen the announcement around the AstraZeneca vaccine made yesterday. However, we need to be clear what the JCVI and the MHRA has said. And just as importantly, in the words of Wee Shen Lim, the chair of the JCVI yesterday, we equally need to be clear around what was not said, because there does seem to be quite a bit of confusion out there. The JCVI and the MHRA have not said there is a defined link between the vaccine and blood clots. They have said the link is still not established, but it is looking more likely, and therefore investigations will continue. What the JCVI are doing as a result is recommending that when an alternative vaccine is available, it should be offered to those under the age of 30. To be clear, the advice from both the JCVI and the MHRA is that those over 30 are still recommended to receive an AstraZeneca vaccine, as are those under 30 if an alternative vaccine is not available. To put it into context, if a link is established between AstraZeneca and the clots, the risk is four in a million across all age groups. This also needs to be put into context of what happens if someone catches COVID, as COVID itself causes blood clots. 
A recent study of COVID cases found that 7.8% of people who contracted COVID developed clotting in the lungs, 11.2% DVTs in their legs, and 1.6% had strokes as a result of COVID's clot effects. Of those requiring ICU care, 23% went on to develop clotting. So even if every single one of the 79 cases that have occurred in the vaccinated population of 20 million is eventually linked back to the vaccine, the clotting risk is thousands of times greater to someone from contracting the disease itself than from the vaccine. Also, recent studies amongst young people so that's all age ranges below 50 that form the first priority group who have had COVID has shown across all those age ranges that the chance of developing, developing long COVID in young people is 10%, even in young people who have a mild infection. So without vaccination, one in 10 young people who contract COVID would be expected to see longer term effects on their health. It is also worth pointing out again and stressing, as I did at the last briefing, that in an unvaccinated population, you would expect naturally to see three to six cases each year of this form of clotting. So in a totally unvaccinated population of 20 million, you would expect to identify between 60 to 120 cases occurring each year. It is also important to state that anyone who has already had a dose of AstraZeneca should still receive the second dose as planned, regardless of age. Not one single case has been associated with second dose. All 79 cases identified in the UK occurred after first dose. So anyone awaiting a second dose, regardless of age, should have it as planned, as this is what locks in and boosts the protection provided by your first dose. Yesterday, we did see people cancelling their vaccine appointments. I need to be absolutely clear, there is no reason for people not to go ahead with their AstraZeneca vaccine as planned, unless there is a legitimate medical reason for them doing so, in which case they should consult with their GP. People cannot choose which vaccination they receive as it is dependent on supplies and that remains the case. If people do cancel their appointments, we cannot guarantee when they will be vaccinated as they will have cancelled due to their own choice and will not be prioritised if we have already moved on to other age cohorts. We also cannot guarantee a different vaccine and if they register again at a later date, they may well be offered AstraZeneca again. Individuals have to make their own choices, but they also need to bear in mind the context around this, that even if eventually every single one of these exceptionally rare cases is linked back to the vaccine, the risk of this occurring, as I've said, is four in a million, which is greatly less than the risks to someone's health should they contract the virus. As a result, the risk is no more than someone travelling on a long-haul flight, developing one of these clots, and is actually substantially less of a risk than this form of blood clot developing from the use of the contraceptive pill. So I would urge people to continue to be vaccinated as planned. The risks of not being vaccinated could be catastrophic to people's long-term health. Thank you, Chief Minister. Thank you very much, David. Some really important messages and context there. Let's take some questions. And first, we have Alex Bell from BBC Isle of Man. Good afternoon, Alex. Fast am I. Fast am I. 
Um, Health Minister, if under 30s and the vulnerable here are all to be offered an alternative jab, will the Isle of Man have enough supply of alternatives to go round and by how long will it prolong the speed of the overall rollout? So we are looking at this at the moment, Alex. The impact, we think, could be a couple of weeks. So we do receive a five set and we've also got Moderna coming online as well, um, hopefully in the next month. But there will be a delay um, for the lower age groups. But we believe that that delay at the moment on our modelling is around about three weeks. So it would push our programme of first doses and second doses for the total adult population back by about three weeks. So do you have effectively a revised date by which you want to offer all adults a jab? That's that's being modelled at the moment, but we expect that the entire adult population um, of the island will still have been vaccinated um, with their first doses completely by the end of July. Thank you. Um, and sticking with the point, Minister, I know the Isle of Man did have something of a protracted process to secure the measures around indemnity before the vaccine rollout began. Now, in the event unlikely event, we hope, that someone who's received a vaccine on island becomes seriously ill as a result. Would the DHSC be held liable? The Crown indemnity is in place, so the UK covers the indemnity from anything from vaccination. Um, that is in place for all of the vaccines that we're using. Thank you. Thanks very much, Alex. Now we move on to Paul Moulton from Isle of Man Television. Good afternoon, Paul. Fast am I. Thank you. I understand you've been under pressure on 111 service because so many people have now got worried about this. And it's understandable. It's, it's what everyone is talking about. My mailbag is, is full. I know yours is. Um, are you actually honestly saying that if people don't take their second dosage, they go right to the bottom of the queue or will they just go back to the bottom of that particular banding? And you say that the clotting isn't showing up on the second dosage, but there's not enough data yet because of the very nature of this to show anything at all. Is that correct? Well, well actually, Paul, if I take the last point first, with all due respect, there is a lot of data. There's actually more data on this vaccination than most other vaccinations because of the sheer volume of vaccinations that have been delivered in such a short period of time. Um, like I say, this is exceptionally rare. It's 79 cases out of 20 million vaccinations delivered in the UK. I gave some figures there as well. Um, in fact, it's actually less, like I say, this form of blood clot that's been associated with other medicines that can be delivered. So it, I would urge people to actually still take the AstraZeneca vaccine if it is offered to them, because the odds of anything occurring is uh, is actually absolutely minuscule. Um, what I would also say, Paul, is just to be clear, I was referring to people who've cancelled first dose, not second dose, people who've cancelled first dose. We would urge people not to cancel second dose at all because that's what locks in protection. We don't know what happens longer term if someone's had one dose but then doesn't take the second because this is a two-dose regime. It could well be, but again, the data's early yet, that they find the first dose eventually dissipates and they have no protection at all. Um, so we would urge people to have the second doses planned. Every single case identified in the UK all of the cases identified in Europe, they have all occurred after first dose. There has been no identified, flagged, um, as far as I'm aware, in any jurisdiction. And there's, I think there's a, I think it's 64 countries that use AstraZeneca now. Um, there hasn't been a single case that I'm aware of that has been flagged after second dose. So we would encourage them, people, to continue with the dosing as normal. Um, so it is natural people will be concerned, but the JCVI, the MR, the MHRA, and also the European Medicines Agency have been looking at this and the advice from all three organisations is people should 
continue as planned. The JCVI out of, in, the, in their words, actually yesterday, an abundance of caution was the phrase they used. They said it wasn't due to safety concerns. It was due to an abundance of caution is recommending that where available, an alternative should be used on the under 30s. And to be absolutely clear, the advice is if an alternative isn't available, then the under 30 should still be vaccinated with AstraZeneca because the benefits still outweigh the risks. I'll bring the Director of Public Health in in case she's got anything she wishes to add. Uh, not really. You've given an extremely comprehensive answer and your earlier um, discussion about relative risk also covered everything. So all I can do is say that I support what you've said and you've given a very comprehensive response. Can I just ask you to clear up though the second dosage now? If if they don't turn up or or, can, or you know cancel whatever, but they need it within this sort of particular time, what happens to them? Uh, did it go to the bottom of the very bottom of the list, or they they be put at the bottom of that particular banding? Well, as far as I'm aware, Paul, we've not got a problem with people cancelling second doses. It's people who were booked for first doses, I believe, that have been cancelling. Um, you know, if people cancel the second dose, like I say, it's, it should really be delivered within 12 weeks. If they, through personal choice, decide to cancel that, they have to recognise there is an associated risk because the scientific data isn't there really past that 12-week point to actually say what happens to that first dose longer time. It may well find that the effects of the first dose dissipate and that they've actually harmed their protection from that first dose. But like I say, there has no, been no issue identified with anyone anywhere from AstraZeneca in relation to second dose, even in these exceptionally rare circumstances that, like I say, across a population, the risk is four in a million, um, which is infinitely small compared to other medical procedures. Um, there, there actually has been nothing identified for second dose. It's all occurred after first. And 111 coping okay? 111, I believe, is coping okay. Um, I'd like to thank the team on 111. They have done an exceptional job, particularly over the last month and a half, where they've been you know, really put to the pump with various things, um, and they've coped admirably, but I believe they are coping okay. Okay, and can I just check with the Education Minister that the um, preschool, um, the key workers can get their children into all sorts of uh, uh, support if they're single they haven't got anybody that they can give the children to just being asked to verify if that applies to, to those sectors as well when you open the schools well th th thank you paul what what we we've um, decided at the council ministers today is that from monday that will be working with the preschool sector in terms of childminders, nurseries and playgroups to allow them to open. And hopefully that, that will provide those places to vulnerable children, those key workers. On Tuesday, our primary schools will be open again to vulnerable children and, and those essential workers. What we are asking though is only use this provision when you have to go to work, when there's no other alternative. And, the, and we have um, already allowed various other alternatives in, in terms of friends and families for those single parents in terms of teaming up with, with, with another household. Um, what we're trying to do is, is pick up from where we started at this outbreak. But as you remember back in March, when we adopted this, this system, unfortunately we had a spread right, right throughout childcare. And we, so we're trying to do it in a very phased way so that there's no chance of that happening and we don't have to go backwards again. So I just ask people to bear with us over the next week. We'll be doing our best to accommodate all those people who need childcare and need education for their children so that hopefully on the 19th, we can open things back up to a degree of normality. Okay, thank you very much, Paul. Now we move on to Helen McKenna from Isle of Man Newspapers. Good afternoon, Helen. Fast am I. 
Good afternoon, Ministers. Uh, Chief Minister, you said during Tuesday's briefing that the island was back on track for allowing family and friends from the UK to visit at the end of this month. Given that we might have eliminated the virus a few days before, is there a public appetite for a border change that could increase the risk of another outbreak? And when and how will this, will this decision be made? Well, I said at the end of April or beginning of May, and that, that's been on our plan for quite some time now, uh, moving to level 3A. And if you look at the infection rates in the United Kingdom, they are significantly lower than they have been for quite some time now um, when we last looked at it. So it's the data is looking good. I know there will be some concern from people having just come out of a lockdown that, we're, that we may be allowing people to come to the island, but they we will be putting in, in place criteria to protect residents fr um, from visitors coming over to the island. But it's too early to say exactly yet. Well, we're discussing that next week. We've asked for a paper uh, on, on the detail of that and um, how it may work to protect the people. But equally, I, I think there are... We've had the luxury of seeing our loved ones again um, after a very short lockdown. There, there are people on the island who haven't seen their family members for a year, and I think we should do our best to ensure that we can put in place uh, a safe as possible system that allows our loved ones and, and friends to come over and visit us. Thank you. My second question is for the Health Minister. Has anyone on the island suffered serious side effects of any description that have required hospital admission after being given the Oxford AstraZeneca jab? Um, I don't actually have that information to hand. Um, I believe um, that I have heard that there is at least one person that has been admitted to hospital after having received a vaccine, um, but I'm not aware of any established link as yet between that and the vaccine itself. But I'll bring the Director of Public Health in in case she knows anything more than me. Yes, that's absolutely correct, Minister. Thank you. Um, we have to be very careful to disentangle just a, a casual association in time with a causal association. And as I understand it, as the Minister has just said, an individual did get admitted to hospital in the short time after the vaccine, but there is no evidence that the two events were related. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much, Helen. Now we move on to Leanne Cook from 3FM. Good afternoon, Leanne. Fast am I. Good afternoon, Chief Minister. Um, my first question is just from a member of the public. They've asked for clarity who's responsible for overseeing whether the likes of construction sites are adhering to social distancing and just general hygiene rules. And if someone's worried there may be a potential breach, how can they go about reporting it? Right, well, we did have this in place last time where if you felt that your employer wasn't being responsible, then you would contact our um, call centre. Now, off the top of my head, I think it was 686262, the normal number, and then they would pass you on to um, the relevant authority. I know the Department for Enterprise have been working with um, the construction trade to ensure that they're fully aware of the rules and what's expected of them. Um, we did have um, a number of complaints in the first lockdown about the construction sector from uh, members of the public or one or two people who work there. And I know people did go out and um, speak to the companies and, and do inspections of the site. So we don't have a team going around every site um, on the island. We have to trust people but if, if people feel uneasy unhappy that they don't think their company is following the rules or they can see um, an event going on then you know that they, they can um, contact 
Um, I think it's 686262. Uh, if it's any different, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I don't know, David, if, if you know um, a different number. Yes, Chief Minister, you're correct. We've been directing people through the community support line um, who will then take note of the relevant issue and pass it on. Thank you. And my second question is for the Education Minister. In 2021 alone, the school year has been impacted by two lockdowns. What plans has the department got going forward to make sure students don't miss out on crucial education, given the time that's been lost so far? Yeah, that's a very good question. And certainly a big concern, I think, of just about every parent on the island. Obviously, the year 11 and 13 students are coming up to a time when they'd normally be sitting exams. One of the clear things we've been trying to, to um, delineate with teachers and with the exam boards is they will be examined on what they've learned, not the entire curriculum. So if I can just say we're working really closely to make sure that they get the, the grades that they deserve. We're also looking at some of the primary school children who will be transitioning up to secondary school um, and those really vulnerable ages where, where they, they are naturally anxious, they want to catch up and trying to make sure that those transitions are, are, are helped as much as possible. I know that lots of parents have been very um, frightened that, that their children may have missed out on education. What we need to do is make sure that they don't miss out on the learning. Yes, there may be parts of the curriculum that we need to catch up with, but actually I think parents have done a fantastic job in terms of looking after their children, helping their children learn with the with the. Um, offering that's been promoted by the schools in terms of remote learning. And if parents have any particular problems or any particular concerns, once we get schools back into operation, hopefully on the 19th, please share those with your teachers so that we can respond to, you, to your concerns and allow your child to actually continue with their education. The other aspect, obviously, is the mental well-being, because we know this has been an incredibly stressful time for pupils, but also their families. And one of the main um, impetuses of, of, of the education service when we get our children back will be to look after that, because frightened kids don't learn. Um, we need to make sure that they're relaxed. We need to make sure that they're enjoying their time at school again so they can catch up on their education. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Leanne. And now we move on to Tim Glover from Manx Radio. Good afternoon, Tim. Fast am I. Fast am I, uh, Ministers and uh, Health Director. Just returning to the AstraZeneca situation, the UK is saying it's got enough vaccine uh, uh, to still meet its targets, despite the under-30s having to use another vaccine rather than AstraZeneca. But here, we're saying the vaccine overall programme delivery timeframes will now be longer can I ask why when we get our proportional supply from the UK? Yes, because the UK has never set fixed dates, whereas we have given out fixed dates for when the adult population um, would actually be vaccinated. The UK has always expressed it in months, so they've turned around and said the entire adult population in the UK would be vaccinated by the end of July. On our schedule, we were actually ahead of the UK. Um, because of the speed we can roll out in a smaller population than theirs. Um, that has now pushed back. So we will complete our vaccination programme in July um, and exact, exactly as the UK has stated they will with theirs. But, but why a difference when there's the proportions are the same? We get the population the same number of vaccines as the yeah, UK. But what I'm saying, Tim, is the UK quotes it in months so their vaccination programme for adults was always due to finish at the beginning of July. The minister is now saying in the UK it will finish at the end of July. So if their vaccination programme has gone back a few weeks, but it hasn't crossed over their threshold. Thank you. Second question. 
22nd of March, Chief Minister, you said, if you're going into the workplace, is it really essential? And if you are an employer, are you putting your employees and your island at risk by insisting they come in or even just allowing them to do so? Uh, if the Manx Care Executive Managed Team didn't contravene current workplace regulations, why was a tweet and picture of eight plus the photographer deleted? Okay, David, do you want to take that one? Um, I can't comment why it was removed. I think it was probably removed due to some of the abusive comments that were appearing on the post, Tim, to be perfectly honest. Um, it got quite nasty from what I can gather. Um, I haven't seen the post myself, so I can only comment on what I've heard in that. I have seen the photo, however. Um, all of the people in there were essential workers. They do need to be in work. Um, the, the room they're actually in is the boardroom of Nobles, which I know firsthand, and I know the Chief Minister probably does as a former Health Minister as well. It is an Despite the way the photo looks, it's actually an exceptionally large room. Um, by my estimates on space, it's probably about 20 foot by 12 foot, the room. And that table can actually sit about 18 people round it, 16 to 18 round it normally, and 9 to 10 socially distanced. Um, despite, again, the way the photo might look, they were all socially distanced in that photo, and they were all wearing PPE. If your question to me is, was it the right time to be putting up a photo like that? I've got to be perfectly honest and say probably the timing wasn't great. Um, if I'm going to be absolutely honest, but there is no regulations that have been breached. All of those people are required to be in. They cannot do their jobs from home. Um, they included people such as medical director, chief nurse and so on, as people will see from the photos. They actually do need to be on site um, and they need to be doing their job within the hospital. Could it not have been done, though, as a Zoom conference rather than in a boardroom? No, no, there are some there are some things that have to be done face to face for various reasons to ensure there's not miscommunication because some things there are patient safety aspects involved. Um, but like I say, if you're asking me in relation to the photo and was it a great time to shove it up in social media? Um, personally, I've got to say, I don't think the timing was great. Thank you. Thanks very much, Tim. Now we move on to Simon Richardson from Business 365. Good afternoon, Simon. Fast am I. Good afternoon, Chief Minister. Uh, my question, firstly, is for the uh, Health Minister, please. Um, in respect of the AstraZeneca vaccine, which uh, has received more unfortunate publicity after the decision not to give it to the under-30s, um, you've clearly demonstrated today the minuscule risks involved in taking it. But if somebody who is, say, just 31 is concerned about taking the vaccine, would they be offered an alternative? No, the JCVI is quite clear. And we need to be very clear again, Simon, and you've given me an opportunity to do it again to say exactly what the JCVI said. They did not say that the AstraZeneca vaccine should not be used in the under-30s. They said out of an abundance of caution, and that's the actual physical words yesterday from the chair of the JCVI, so out of an abundance of caution, not due to any safety fears, that where an alternative is available, it should be offered to the under-30s. If an alternative vaccine is not available, is not available then anyone including those under the age of 30 should take the AstraZeneca because as laid out with the various examples I gave there the risk from the virus across all age groups is much higher than any potential risk from the vaccine. That's uh, perfectly clear thank you. Um, secondly for the Chief Minister now we've seen Australia and New Zealand reintroduce free unhindered passage between the two countries uh, for their citizens as we edge closer to the edge of the circuit break, are we considering new air corridors and could these 
be for international destinations, places like, as well as places like Guernsey, for example, uh, Gibraltar and Malta, where virtually yeah, virtual. it's eliminated. Um, well, obviously, I've discussed before now that well, I would personally like to see the air bridge with Guernsey reintroduced because they um, tend to follow very similar procedures to ourselves and, and therefore if we have no cases and they have no cases you know that what our thinking is very similar and it, it should be safe and it should work. Regarding international travel I think the UK have said there'll be very little international travel and I think they've come up with about the 17th of May and with, with fines if you go to um, countries at the moment because of the var variants that are working around in um, in Europe at this moment in time, so I, I think we because ninety nine percent of all our travel is through the UK. We used to have the odd package flight to um, to Europe. Um, we will have to respect the UK rules because we'll be going through their territory. So at this moment in time, I can't see any international um, travel for our island residents direct from the island, but certainly I will do my utmost to ensure that once we get ourselves back into the position we were at the end of February that we can go back to having our air bridge with Guernsey. Thank you. And could you just have one final point of clarification? The hardware stores will be allowed to open um, from next Monday. Does that include builders merchants in that category? Yes, well, builders merchants were already allowed to do um, click and collect, I think is, is the phrase. And um, builders could obviously go there to get what they needed for um, to, to carry on with their work. But yes, builders and merchants are included under the hardware side of things. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Simon. And last but not least, we have Sam Turton from Jeff. Good afternoon, Sam. Fast am I. Fast am I, Chief Minister. Um, Health Minister, I just wonder if we could just get a quick point of clarity, just seeing comments on the stream here about, um, you said in the entire adult population have had their first dose by the end of July in response to Alex's question. Should that have been second dose? Um, my understanding is no. It'll be for, it'll be first dose. But originally, we I mean we come if we go back to March. No, I think no, it was no. we in May. We were talking about the first priority group, um, Sam. So we mustn't get confused. The priority groups is those all over fifty and above, and then the adult population, the remainder of the adult population, which is those age sixteen afterwards. But in the government's exit framework, it does say all adults first dosage may. Well, I will go back and check that, but um, it might might well be second dose, but I've certainly been advised July. Um, so it's in line with the UK. Okay, and just on um, questions, and in terms of AstraZeneca, which obviously we have seen the link, um, the potential link and the risks associated do seem to be quite low. Just in terms of people under the age of 30, is it worth writing to them now to ask who would take the vaccine if, if it was available to them to save time later in terms of people refusing to take that vaccine over waiting for one of the others? Well, no, what we will look to do, anyone under 30, Sam, is we will look to offer them an alternative straight away. So we will look to offer them Pfizer um, or the Moderna vaccine. We would only offer them AstraZeneca if there was absolutely no other route. Um, so we are working from a point of view that we are looking that everyone under 30 will get one of the others anyway as default. Um, rather than offering people and then them declining. Um, we would then contact people only if there was an issue um, with that um, in relation to taking AstraZeneca. And, and just and in the... fact, I can clarify, Sam, and I do apologise, I did say first dose, it is second dose in relation to the July. You are correct. Right. It is. You are correct. It is second dose for the adults in July. 
Grant, and just um, secondly, in terms of the AstraZeneca and the Pfizer and the Moderna and everything else, does this mean that we will see a switch towards the second dosage for people with AstraZeneca? And will that speed up more people getting their second dose than we'll have had previously in terms of the 12-week wait, or will that be kept on hold no, to get to 12 weeks? No, we will still be keeping the wait between the doses as we've established. One of the things we've been very clear on throughout this vaccination programme is not moving people around who are already booked because it can cause mass confusion with people either not seeing that their appointment has changed. So anyone who's got their appointment for second dose all along, even where we've changed the timescales, where people have had different timescales, we have always honoured them and we will continue to do so. So people will be staying with the 12, with the 12 weeks. Thank you. Thank you, and, and thank you all for your questions. Can I just sincerely say, from my point of view, as someone who I've said before who has had COVID, if you have to decide about having the AstraZeneca or not, and you've looked at the percentages, as someone who suffers from long COVID, as someone who's had personal friends in hospital who've had to be hospitalised because of COVID, and we've seen the tragic loss of life on the Isle of Man, the, the risks compared with having the vaccine to the risks that could end up with your life having a problem for the rest of your life or even dying worst case scenario is, is is minute and I would urge everyone I've had the AstraZeneca and I felt totally safe about it even though there were concerns at the time I would urge everyone to go ahead and, and get their vaccine as soon as they're offered it really is important that you protect yourself and the the risks of, of having a problem with AstraZeneca, as the health minister has laboured on this time and time again, it's, it's four in a million. Those are pretty good um, percentages. And um, I, I'd just like to put that message over to everyone. Think this through. Don't panic. Um, get the jab in your arm. Get that protection for yourself. Thank you. And thank you all for your questions. We are making steady progress, and that achievement is down to everyone in our community. I know lockdowns are tough in different ways for different people, but we must stay the course. Our vaccination programme is making tremendous progress and is our route out of lockdowns. Please continue to do the right thing. The end of the circuit break is in sight. And please do remain vigilant. If you have any COVID-like symptoms, please don't ignore them. Self-isolate right away and contact 111 for advice and to arrange a test. That's all for today. Thank you all very much. Bye-bye.